0: Welcome and thank you for connecting with us at Parkwood Baptist Church. Here at Parkwood, we exist to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. You can find more information about our church at parkwoodonline.org. By visiting our website, you will be able to learn more about Parkwood and our mission. Now join us as we grow together through the teaching of God's word. Psalm 52, why would I leave 2 Corinthians and go back to Psalms? I'm just going to do it for one week. It's because in my preparation earlier on, uh, this Psalm has helped me and I believe today, given what is before us in the next several days and hours, this Psalm can be used by God to help you. That is my prayer. So let us study it and contemplate it together. Would you please stand as I read? To the choir master, a meskil of David, when Doag the Edomite came and told Saul, David has come to the house of Ahimelech. Why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? The steadfast love of God endures all the day. Your tongue plots destruction like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. You love evil more than good and lying more than speaking what is right, Selah. You love all words that devour, O deceitful tongue, but God will break you down forever. He will snatch and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living, Selah. The righteous shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying... See the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and sought refuge in his own destruction. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name for it is good in the presence of the godly. Let's pray. Lord, I plead now that you would continue to comfort and rebuke my own heart as I seek to faithfully through the power of the Holy Spirit proclaim your eternal word to your people and may you in turn rebuke and comfort their hearts. I pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. I'm curious. I don't want you to answer out loud. I know the battle I had in my own heart as I read particularly the first stanza of what was in my mind. Who was I thinking about? Who are you thinking about? Are you thinking holistically holistically, or are you thinking merely politically? Are you thinking about one politician or one party? Or are you thinking comprehensively of the world that we live in? Here's really my question. What should the people of God do right now, November 1st, 2020, in the United States of America? Here's my main idea. In the face of evil, the righteous trust God for vindication and flourishing. You think things are bad, brothers and sisters, let me clearly map out for you the context of this psalm. I invite you, if you would, to find 1 Samuel 21 in your Bible. The psalm tells us that this is a maskeel, this is a type of song of David when Doeg the Edomite came and told Saul, David has come to the house of Ahimelech. You've got to put the story together to understand this. Jonathan, Saul's son and David's best friend, warns Jonathan that Saul is pursuing him. He wants rid of him. So David flees instantly. He has nothing, has no food, no supplies, no provisions, no weapons. He flees. And he ends up at Nob with Ahimelech, the priest. And he asks Ahimelech for food. He he makes no accusation about Saul. Ahimelech knows no reason specifically that he is there. The only food they have is the food that is set aside, the holy bread. Through a series of conversation, they determine that David and his men are acceptable to receive this bread, and they eat it. You're told in verse 7, that there is a certain man, a servant of Saul, that was there that day, detained before the Lord. His name was Doeg the Edomite, the chief of Saul's herdsmen. Then you're told, after this moment, David asks about other provisions as it relates to weapons. And folks, this is very significant. Ahimelech gives him the sword of Goliath. It's been kept in the house of God. It's been kept as a reminder of God's provision. So David leaves there with a full belly and one sword, the sword of Goliath. He goes to Gath. That's where he pretends to be crazy. Then he ends up in the cave of Adilam. Look in chapter 22. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Ajalam, And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down to him and everyone was in great distress. Why? They know what's coming. They know, they know what's on its way. Doeg goes to Saul He tells Saul what has transpired between Ahimelech and David. And the king sends Doag to Nob. And there, the Bible tells us, Doag the Edomite turned and struck down the priest and killed on that day 85 persons who wore the linen ephod. That's 85 priests. And they weren't finished. In the city of Nob, they... Put to the sword men and women, children and infant, ox and donkey and sheep. He put to the sword. They destroyed the city. Why? Because Ahimelech gave food and a sword to David. Now, in my imagination, I can't prove it. Because David does not mention this slaughter in the song. In my imagination, I think David sang this song in the cave. In the moment of distress. In the face of evil. We now know where this evil plays out. There's two main things that you see in the song. That in the face of evil, the righteous trust God for vindication. The song begins, Why do you boast of evil, O mighty man? Folks, this is a frightening sentence. The word boast is praise. This is a word to be used of God. Why do you praise of evil, mighty man? Why are you you singing and reveling in your evil? Why, Why do you boast of what is ultimately not going to prevail? This is going to be short-lived. Here's what lasts forever. David reminds himself and those around him and reminds us today, the steadfast love of God endures all the day. This is the bookends of the text. It's also in verse 8. That the covenant-keeping God, who is unchanging, will never cease to care for his own. He goes back to the mighty man's relationship with evil. And he reveals his weapons. And his weapons are, you ready? Words. Words words. Your tongue plots destruction. And we know from the rest of the study of Scripture that what comes out of your mouth comes from your heart. That your lips are the overflow of what's inside of you. Doeg knew what he was going to do. It was from a heart of evil that he plots destruction. Like a sharp razor, you worker of deceit. A couple of weeks ago, I was getting my hair cut. I still go to a barber who uses a razor to shave your neck. You reach in the cabinet, put a blade on. He doesn't usually say this. He said, Jeff, hold still. This is a new blade. I didn't move. You could barely feel it touch. It's the image here. Sharp razor. And that sharp razor are words, deceitful words. Let's, let's hear what Doeg said when he went to Saul. I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitab, and he inquired of the Lord for him. So what does that mean? He means this. Hey, hey, Saul, your priest he prayed for the success of David. You better go get him. Not only that, he fed him and he gave him the sword of Goliath. Dilek knew exactly what he was doing. And it worked. It incited Saul. And Saul's anger and wickedness was so great that he destroys all of those people. The song could be about Saul. I think the context is about Doeg, either one. Look at verse three. You love evil more than good and lying more than speaking what is right. law, pause and think about that. You love evil more than good and lying more than speaking what is right. <laughs> There's one thing I'm gonna be grateful for Wednesday morning. You ready? No more text messages to my phone. No more ads when I'm trying to watch the news. No more ads on Facebook. The political accusations are going to be over. Now, could I sum up the political accusations? It's pointing out lies by using lies to make you not vote. Go home and figure my riddle out. Who can believe anything these people say? We even use the same things and flip them every couple of years to accuse each other of. You know why? Because you live in a world now that loves evil more than it does good. You love words, all words that defile our old deceitful tongue. You. You try to come up with things to turn it, to turn it, to turn it. We call it spin now. Who can tell the difference between truth and spin anymore? So what do we do as Christians? What do we do as followers of Christ? Do we fight fire with fire? Do we get on Facebook? <laughs> People post, go. please don't be negative. Hey, listen, as soon as you write, please don't be negative. Plan on it. It's coming. By the way, if you're going to put it out there public, you live in a world that loves evil more than good, wait for it. It's coming. It's coming. It's just a part of the world you live in. So what do you do? Now listen, I've been pleading with you for months. Pleading, pleading with you, for you for months. What you've got to do is you've got to find the opposite of what's being described here. And here's the opposite. Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect. It's not deceitful. It revives the soul, it doesn't destroy it. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple, it it gives you wisdom. The precepts of the Lord are right, they rejoice the heart, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired than are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. The word teaches us that evil will not ultimately prevail. And the word teaches us that the Lord God will bring vindication in his judgment through the prophet Isaiah in chapter five, verse 20. He said, woe to those who call evil, good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. The description in verses two through four sounds threatening, and would be threatening if it were not for God's involvement whereas the warrior's actions involves words and takes place behind closed doors hidden god's actions brothers and sisters are forceful they are vigorous and they will be public verse 5 god will break you down forever The term break you down, the image in your mind needs to be the walls of Jericho. I've actually stood on the crumbled walls. they are still crumbled. That God will break down the evil, the mighty man, and he will do so forever. He will silence him forever. He will snatch and tear you from your tent. In other words, there's no place you're going to hide. There's not a hiding place. He will uproot you. Now, this is a contrast to the image you're going to see later of the, uh, in verse 8 of the olive tree. He's going to uproot you from the land of the living. So he's going to uproot you in your apparent flourishing and bring your flourishing to an end because death is intimate, imminent and the punishment is sure. And when this happens, the scripture says, the righteous will see and fear. That is, there will be a full awareness of the vindication and judgment of God and it will cause the people of God to be awestruck and they shall laugh at him. say laugh? That's just awful. Listen very carefully to me as I explain this. Fear is the reaction of reverence before the public actions of God. Laughing over the crushed hero is not an expression of smugness, but Unchallenged satisfaction that God gets the final word. We don't laugh over someone's demise. Here's what we do in the moment. I don't know if you've ever been in a point to where your life was threatened or you faced something sudden that could have taken your life, and when it was over you laughed. It wasn't because you were cracking up, it was like, huh, ha. Huh. It's a relief. There's a relief here and a rejoicing that only God can save. Here's what the righteous are going to say when they see and fear. This is the words of the righteous in this moment of judgment See the man who would not make God his refuge. The only reason the righteous are going to be able to say this is not because of what they've done, it's because they have made God their refuge. See the man who would not make God his refuge, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and sought refuge in his own destruction. The very thing they sought refuge in, the very thing that became their God, the thing that they pursued after and defended ended up destroying them. I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. In Romans 1, the scripture says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now, here's my question. How is the wrath of God revealed? Now, listen very carefully to this. This matters massively today. Verse 24, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts. Verse 26, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Verse 28, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind. To do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, I'm curious if you parents know what the most popular song among young girls is today. The girls know. The boys know. TikTok made it famous. It's called WAP by Cardi B. It is pornographic. I didn't know language like that till I was well into my adult life. I could have started another way. I wouldn't. I've done this before when I'm speaking to young people. I'll start a song, quoting it, and before I can get into three words, all the young people are with me. You listen to me, young people, and parents who give approval to such things what that is a sign of is the wrath of God on your life. It's not just about a dance. Now, am I out to get Cardi B today? you Cardi B, that's just dance. It is evidence of the world you live in that is under the wrath of God, and you better wake up. Wake up. The thing that they trusted in, sought refuge in, led to their own destruction. So what do we do? What do we do? What do we do as the people of God? Do do we just look at the future and go, "It's, it's over? No. So that David did. David doesn't stop the song right here. The song turns. He looks into the eyes of the men in the cave who are in distress, and he keeps singing. And here's what he's saying. In the face of evil, the the righteous trust God for flourishing. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. You say, what in the world does that mean? We don't even have olive trees here. Well, if you go to Israel, they're everywhere. Everywhere. Everywhere you go, there's an olive tree. Why? Because olive trees survive in that climate. They can survive a summer of drought and still produce a fruit. They last for decades, even hundreds of years, some of them, and they flourish. This is an image of longevity. It's an image of fruitfulness, of flourishing, of security, that the people of God flourish. And here it says in the house of God you're in the cave hey David 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 we're in a cave David sings anyway I'm like an olive tree in the house of God now more so can we clearly say this as followers of Jesus Christ For through him we have both access in one spirit to the Father. We are no longer strangers and aliens. We are fellow citizens, we are saints, we are members of the household of God. We are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets and Jesus Christ is our cornerstone. He is the one who holds the whole structure together, being joined together. We are growing together into the house of God, the holy temple of God, and in him we are being built together by God, by the spirit. That's who we are. We are a flourishing olive tree. We are the house of God. But here's what happens. We wither and fade when we turn our eyes to the things of this world. When we fix our gaze on the things around us and we listen to the messages, the overwhelming messages over and over again that are pressing us into despair. Brothers and sisters, are you listening both sides are declaring Armageddon. Are you paying attention? Both sides believe Wednesday we're doomed. So you're going to play that song. You're going to listen to that song. Are you going to hear the song of God? We are an olive tree in the house of God. He goes on. I trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever. Why? Because God has proved himself to be who he is. In the midst of pressure, in the face of evil, we trust him now and forever and forever. Verse nine, I will thank you forever because you have done it. Now. Brothers and sisters. (laughs) So, what does David exactly mean here? I don't know exactly what he means here, but I know what he means. So, what does that mean? It means I've read the whole book, and salvation is sure and it is secure in Jesus Christ our Lord. For the promised Messiah from David's seed, God would protect him because from David's seed, the Messiah was coming. And yes, he did come and he lived a sinless life and he died a sinner's death, though he never sinned in our place on the cross. He bore the wrath of God described in the upper part of this verse. He bore it on our behalf. He was buried and died. And on the third day, he rose again. And Now, today, November 1st, 2020, my Savior, your Savior, if you're a Christian, is seated at the right hand of the Father and he is making intercession for you and he will not stop Tuesday. And one day, the day that only the Father knows, he will say to the Son, get up and go. And his kingdom will be fully realized and Christ will come and it will be sealed What do we do in the meantime? I will wait. Look at the verse, I will wait for your name, for it is good in the presence of the godly. That means, brothers and sisters, we come together and we remind ourselves and each other. Wait. Don't despair. Trust in the name of Yahweh, for His name is good. God, not the self, is the source of our thanksgiving, our security and good forever. Every aspect of the believer's life, including thanksgiving, requires perseverance for too quickly we forget God's mercies. John Calvin. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners. Or sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. His leaf does not wither, and while that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. I come to so what? This is one of those days when I, when I make the so what here, and because you're Americans, you want me to tell you what to do. You want me to tell you to go vote. Listen, I think as an American citizen, it's a civic duty. But that's not the application here. I'm not belittling voting. don't write me letters about voting. I don't need one. Go vote. But that's not the application. What do we do? So what we do in the face of evil? We trust God and live. We don't build doomsday bunkers. We trust God and we live. You say, well, we may end up dying. Okay. Okay. In the world where Paul wrote Romans, where he talked about the wrath of God revealed, he comes to a summary statement at the end of chapter 8. He still has chapter 1 in his mind. He hasn't left the thought. And here's what he says. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or elections? I added that part. As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are present active. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So there are multiple scenarios this week. The one scenario is possibly that America will done like it's always done. And on Wednesday morning, there'll be winners and losers, but they don't board up Washington on a whim. It's quite possible that when you wake up on Wednesday morning, there'll be chaos, confusion, and destruction. It's also possible that you'll be in limbo, and maybe for weeks, even months, But if you are in Christ, on Wednesday morning, you will wake up more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. Not because the first person you voted for won. It has nothing to do with it. You will wake up more than a conqueror. This is the distress this preacher feels. This is the weight that is pressed on me. It's not the weight of the confusion pit politically. It's not my fear to discuss these things intelligently, even to disagree with some of you. That's not what's weighing on me. What's weighing on me is that some of you are acting as if eternity is at stake, and it is not. Jesus is king. He will be king on Tuesday and on Wednesday, and he will be king forever. And one day he's going to make it clear to the whole world that he is king. In the meantime, it's likely in this culture going to go from bad to worse. And in the face of evil, here's what we do we sing a song. It's an honest song. It's an honest song in the Psalms, and it's an honest song right here in Romans 8. There's distress, there's calamity, there's persecution, there's difficulty. But here's what we sing: saying. I'm going to trust God and live. I'm going to trust God and live. I will thank you forever because you have done it. I will wait for your name for it is good in the presence of the godly. Let's pray. Lord, I plead for your people. Plead for your people that you would give them comfort today. That you would comfort them through the power and the work of the Spirit in their hearts and lives. That you would turn their eyes to you. That they would look to you. That they would trust you. That they would depend on you. And Lord, in the truest sense of the word, May they be like olive trees. But in the midst of drought and difficulty, they flourish. May we be fruit-producing people. And may it be evident in our lives today and in the days to come that we trust you. Lord, as we take up this song. As we have just read in Romans, it is you who holds us. So may we together sing and remind each other here in the presence of the Godman that you are good and only you can hold us fast. I pray this in Jesus' name.